Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. Now, the History of Alchemy podcast is a show about historical, not contemporary alchemy. But a lot of listeners have asked about contemporary alchemy and what alchemy looks like in the 21st century. So today I've invited Tim Wilkerson onto the show. He's a practicing herbal alchemist who speaks at the International Alchemy Guild conferences. He studied at the Paracelsus College under Frater Albertus and is also an author on a book about the role in astrology in alchemy which is another thing we've been asked about a lot. He has a blog that goes along those lines and even a calendar to help with the alchemical process. And as such, this is all sort of outside of the scope of the normal show, and his views are not my own, but I thought it could be interesting to get a broader perspective of alchemy now and then and uh, to you know even get a opposing viewpoints, which can only really help to give people a better o overview of what alchemy is. Anyways, I also have to apologize for the audio. For some reason, my end was horrible and I had to re-record my parts. Um, he sounds okay. Sorry for the spoilers, but just, just so you know what we're talking about, because the audio can get really bad at some points, um, I asked him, you know, first of all, who he is and, and his own history, which is uh, very interesting because he's been uh, practicing alchemy for decades now and is a part of... Uh, of that uh, community of authors who who still teach alchemy to this day as a as a like practical courses, um, so he's a part of that community, which which is very interesting. And he talks about that the Rocky Mountain Alchemy Conference next summer in 2016. He'll be presenting there. Uh, he has a blog to go along with alchemy and astrology, which is alchemyastrology.wordpress.com, and his site about his book and and other information about alchemy and astrology is alchemyastrology.com. All of these links will be on the show notes for this episode on thehistoryofalchemy.com. So, you know, don't don't worry about the URLs just now. You can go find it there. Go to historyofalchemy.com and all the links will be there. And then uh, I ask him what his definition of the Philosopher's Stone is. So he discusses that in terms of um, trying to tie that to modern science. And then also about the Alchemy Guild in general, the Paracelsus College, the, uh, the conferences... Um, all of those those uh, contemporary organizations that that exist today and uh, you know that he's a member of or knows about. So uh, I asked him some about some of those things. I'd let him take it away and talk. So again, it's Tim Wilkerson, author of the book Alchemy Astrology Handbook, which is astrology for practical alchemical laboratory work. Hello, Tim, and welcome to the show. Well, thanks for inviting me. This is exciting. Well, to get started, why don't you just tell us about yourself and how you got into alchemy and who you are. But when did you first develop an interest in alchemy? 1983, a friend of mine, knowing that I was interested in additional herbs, told me about a school in Utah called Paracelsus College. And I applied and he said it might take a while to get accepted, but I was accepted right away. 
and I went and studied for two weeks with a gentleman who went by the name of Frater Albertus, and he was known for having translated a lot of the old German texts on alchemy into English, and he started a whole laboratory, he had a company, uh, he had a the manager of this laboratory now teaches on the West Coast, uh, Robert Bartlett. He has a couple of books. And so there wasn't any internet back then. So I went to this two-week course. It gives you enough information to last a year. And I went home and started studying it, and he passed. So I took the first the herbal course, and then there was supposed to be six more years, six more classes. But he died. Okay. He died and no one was qualified to take over the school, so they disbanded the school and sold it. So I lost touch with everyone uh, except Russ House. He was my roommate. Um, he's kind of well known more in, uh, in other circles of alchemy. And he's done some lectures at the Alchemy Conference as well. Well, him and I remained in touch a little bit. There wasn't any schooling, like on, there was no internet, you know. So it's only been in recent years that I've reconnected. In fact, they contacted me because I'm an alumni and asked me to come and be on an alumni council at the International Alchemy Conference in Las Vegas. One thing led to another, and I, you know, many of the alchemists didn't continue on with the astrology part, and I did. This was all I had to hold on to, was this one course. So I did everything. And for 25 years, I did the astrology just because that's what I was told to do. Finding out later that many of the alchemists just kind of set that aside and went on with their intuition. Maybe their intuition is better than mine, but I followed the astrology anyway. Then I was asked to speak in this, on this platform of being alumni. And someone mentioned that they didn't really follow the astrology. There were some astrologers in the crowd, in the audience. It was a pretty big audience. And I said how much I thought it was really important and what I'd noticed from it. And then later, uh, Hawk, uh, he's pretty well president of the International Alchemy Guild for a number of years, uh, North American chapter. And he said I should write a book about it. And I said, well, you know, it's worked that with me. <laughs> and uh, he laughed. He said, yeah, I have an idea. He'd written some books. He wrote uh, Alchemy for Idiots. Very good book. It tells you a lot of the basics and a lot of the different paths that alchemy can take. I recommend it for anybody who wants to learn the overall not only the laboratory work, but the uh, spiritual work. And so I, I took two years, I wrote this handbook, and uh, he said if I wrote it, he'd write the foreword, and he did. And now it's been out there to based on what Frater Albertus taught me, but uh, also my 30 years of lab experience and what I've found. And it's the lab experience part that I find so fascinating because... Uh, as someone that just studies the history of alchemy, it's, it's well, I mean, this is the first alchemist I've ever spoken to. Um, 
And, it, and, and herbal alchemy has come up many times. We've never done a, an episode on spagyrics yet, but uh, many listeners have asked for that. And also, uh, I know many, many um, people who do practice alchemy practice, you know, today in 2000, whatever year it is, um, do practice this uh, like medicinal alchemy, um, herbal alchemy. And that's also your specialty besides astrology. So, you know, what, could you define that? I've never really defined that or explained that on the show. Are you still looking for some sort of philosopher's stone? What is the purpose of, uh, or, you know, what kind of medicinal things can you do with herbal alchemy? Well, you can make, um, with herbal alchemy, you can make a thing called a spagyric, and it's based on alchemical principles. And basically, you separate the parts of the plant and purify them and put them back together. This raises the vibration from a plant vibration up toward a mammal vibration, so it's more compatible with their body. It's purified, so your body doesn't have to give up energy to assimilate it or digest it. And therefore, if you're really sick, you're not going to have to put out energy to get the cure. You can just, in fact, um, I witnessed a baby, uh, a nurse took some of the spray, this Right, on the soft spot on the baby's head and immediately the symptoms of the cold the baby had went away whenever the symptoms returned the mother was instructed to continue but it's so pure it was absorbed right through the skin the baby didn't even have to ingest it at all as an example uh, someone who's really old and frail a spirit will work very well it also ages strong and go bad as long as it's kept sealed as long as prepared, right? So you've got a remedy that gets stronger and no shelf life, and it lasts, you know, and it gets more potent, put it that way, with time. I've got some remedies that are 10 years old, organic comfort root, and we use one drop in a salve, 13, and it's plenty. It, it's so strong. It's just been eating. So those are some things you can do herbal alchemy. You separate the essential oils, you get the minerals out and purify them to a salt. And then the alcohol is considered the spirit of the kingdom. So you got the salt is the body, the essential oil is the soul, and the alcohol, as a result of fermenting plants, is the spirit, the captured spirit of the plant. You purify those and put the back together and you have an alchemical preparation they call a spagyric, which means purify and recombine. Now I haven't worked with the minerals, but I want to, and that's more along the lines of the philosopher's stone uh, being the ultimate in mineral work. Like I said, Prater Alberta Scott, so I never got to that, but Robert Bartlett teaches some of that, and I have been to a couple of his lectures. I hope to go study with him someday. Another thing I'd love to hear your take on is because, you know, we've covered some over 60 alchemists on the show, and uh, everyone seems to have a slightly different, well, that's not true, not everyone, but there's there's definitely different concepts of exactly what the Philosopher's Stone is, or what it looks like, um, or even tastes like, or uh, smells like, um, you know, what form it has, is it is it powder, is it is it one big crystal, is it uh, just, just really, really pure gold, and uh, so I'd just, you know, love to hear your take on uh, you know, what is the Philosopher's Stone? What What's your definition? Well, the Philosopher's Stone is a substance that causes, acts as a catalyst. 
It does have something to do with mineral microbes. For instance, the the myth about the fountain of youth it is a spring, a hot spring. Okay, in there maybe there were some uh, extremophile microbes that would enter the body, purify the body, and re just as a matter of their life function. The Philosopher's Stone was originally made from the mud of the Nile. You take this mud and ferment it and, and process it in a way that became like a red crystalline substance. And then you could use that to cure people or to actually transmute as a catalyst base metal. We can do that. We can transmute base metals using electricity or nuclear power, but it isn't uh, it costs too much to make it. So we know it's possible, but what if these microbes were the catalyst that allowed that to happen at low temperature? In fact, the mud of the Nile is a sediment on a river that runs through volcanic islands. And in the volcanic areas is where extremophiles live. So you've got these myths that can be associated to new discoveries in science. It became so popular and so easily done in Egypt that the pharaoh had to uh, ask all the alchemists to quit making gold for a while because it was hurting the economy. One of the Romans, emperors, actually asked a law that if anyone was caught making gold, they'd be killed. They had a little more strict policy, but it was so easily done. I mean... Sure, you had to go learn it from an alchemist and apprentice with them. There was no way to really write it down and explain it. It's an art. It's like distillation or brewing. You know, uh, working at a brewery, you don't just go get a degree and become a master distiller. You have to learn this art. And alchemy was the same way. And uh, the astrology is an important part of it because you can uh, detect the influences from the cosmos, and that helps your work. If you, I have found numerous times that when I distill and the moon's in Virgo, and I mean the actual star constellation, not the tropical, but the sidereal astrology, the distillation happens quicker at a lower temperature. And I've seen evidence of other processes happening faster or more complete through the years. So the astrology is an important part of making the philosopher's stone. And when there was a resurgence of... Uh, you know, quasi-scientists in the Renaissance time trying to rediscover this. The tropical astrology was off. It was askew because it's based on the season. I could go into that further, but they weren't as successful. Occasionally, someone would be lucky. And there's like nine, nine instances of witness transmutations of base metal to gold by credible witnesses. Mike Kollerstrom is an astrologer who did the astrology for these nine occurrences and found that each one had uh, similar aspects, similar alignment, and thus indicating that there was some proof to this. So I think that's why they weren't as successful in rediscovering it, that it was no longer as easy because they lost the key to the Philosopher's Stone which is the subtitle to my handbook, Alchemy Astrology, Lost Key of Philosopher's Stone. And I explain that in in the first chapter, in the preface, you know, in, in the front of the book. The rest of the book is on actually how to do this type of astrology. Equivalent in the vegetable kingdom is 
is the Betzel stone. And it's made similarly, uh, but from plant matter. And its power, so so to speak, is that it will, once submerged in a, a, a tea, an herbal tea, it will extract all the essential, pure essentials, and draw them to the surface where they can be labeled off. It'll, it'll create a remedy, and it'll get bigger and stronger itself. Or it can be recovered. It can either be a solid or a liquid. Now, the Philosopher's Stone is similar, but it, it's once used to calm. So, it's theorized, or rumored, I should say, it's rumored that the Vegetable Stone can help you make the Philosopher's Stone. But for sure, you need the talent that you learn. You need to learn the art of the vegetable stone in order to really understand how to make the philosophy stone. And uh, that's kind of skipped over by a lot of new students. They they go want to go right to the mineral work, you know, they touch on the herbal work, but they want to go right to the mineral work. And it's really very dangerous work. There's poisonous gases involved, explosions can happen. You really need guidance to go in the mineral work. Yes, like we've said many times before on the show, don't try this at home or without guidance. Another thing that I found interesting that I've come across in my own research, you know, just browsing the internet to see what's out there on alchemy is um, I noticed that you spoke uh, at the Alchemy Guild. They, they hold a, an alchemy conference. I don't know how often, but you've spoke at them before and you'll be speaking at the uh, Rocky Mountain Conference next year in Denver. Um, 2000, you know, like summer of 2016, and um, I chatted with some of the members online. Um, but but who is the International Alchemy Guild? Sure, yeah. Uh, check out the uh, the uh, Alchemy Guild website. They've been the Alchemy Guild has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. I don't know exactly how long, but I know they were started in like the year 600, something like that. And they've been a secret organization, a worldwide secret organization. And only in the last uh, decade have it has this information come to the public because the world needed it. You know, there was a lot of discussion and controversy about whether it should be made public and available to the public. And it is now. You can, the Alchemy Study Group is an online group where you can take their courses online and get advice from people like me. So I recommend that if you have, if you have a scientific background, to check this out. You know, to, because I think that the alchemy theories, some of those theories are really important. Modern science is rediscovering things, and and they're mystified and confused. And alchemy explains a lot of this. It's just the theory. If you apply the theories found in alchemy, two modern science discoveries that are baffling everyone, you start to see how things together. And I'm hoping that with my book and with the new available information, that we can one day reassociate it. Because modern science is an offshoot of alchemy. It's a child of alchemy. We need to bring the child home. We need to bring the child home and you know, men and women need to look at this in, in all the polarity of alchemy and see how it can reapply to our lives in order for there to be a new, uh, another renaissance, so to speak. So I think it's very important work. 
you're spiritual, but I have a scientific mind in any way. It's a great hobby, and it will help you learn about yourself, which is always important. As we grow and improve ourselves, we are sure to improve the world. In fact, that's probably the only way we can do it. I'll be teaching um, this month Midwest Herb Fest, where I do a alchemy demonstration. A link to the Midwest Herb Fest and the Midwest Herb School the following weekend, which is basically a, a class, hands-on class to learn people how to do herbal alchemy. It's an herbal alchemy hands-on class. So those are coming up real soon. I'm going to post this. Midwest Herb Fest and Midwest Herb School. And again, that was Tim Wilkerson by listener request. And the History of Alchemy podcast does normally focus on history. And we've said before, our cutoff date is um, the occult revival in the 19th century. And we've also broken that rule several times. But I think Tim Wilkerson could answer several of the questions that some of the listeners had uh, better than myself, even if, if his views are not my own. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a different focus than, than the podcast has. Still, that's great. And uh, um, it was fantastic to have him on the show. I will link to the classes he's teaching and his book and his website and the blog and everything, calendar, like I said, um, in the show notes. So you can just find that under historyofalchemy.com and search for Tim Wilkerson or look at the podcast episodes. And for all the other history podcasts I do, don't forget to check out podcastnik.com. That's podcast, N-I-K. The newest show is The Secret Cabinet, which I think you guys will really get a kick out of, but I'm not going to say too much about it. You can go, go visit that at secretcabinet.com, secret-cabinet.com. And there's also a new History Podcasters Network collage coming out very soon. This one's, the theme is End of an Era. History of Alchemy will be there with John D. I think Bo, uh, Bohemian will be there with the Munich Agreement. And the Secret Cabinet might even be stealthily submitting a segment to the show. And you can go see that at historypodcasters.com. The Secret Cabinet also did a guest episode for the History of the Papacy podcast, so go check out Stephen Guerra's show and listen, at least listen to our guest episode, but his show is great too. Until next time, I got a lot of great things for History of Alchemy planned, so thank you very much for listening. And for those of you that clicked the flatter button on the historyofalchemy.com or bought my book, you know who you are. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.